This is part nine of Christian Science and the Book of Mrs. Eddy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. The Man That Corrupted Hadleyburg and Other Stories by Mark Twain. Section 12. Christian Science and the Book of Mrs. Eddy. Part nine. The power which a man's imagination has over his body to heal it or make it sick is a force which none of us is born without. The first man had it, the last one will possess it. If left to himself, a man is most likely to use only the mischievous half of the force, the half which invents imaginary ailments for him, and cultivates them. And if he is one of these very wise people, he is quite likely to scoff at the beneficent half of the force, and deny its existence. And so, to heal or help that man, two imaginations are required, his own and some outsider's. The outsider, B, must imagine that his incantations are the healing power that is curing A, and A must imagine that this is so. It is not so at all, but no matter, the cure is effected, and that is the main thing. The outsider's work is unquestionably valuable, so valuable that it may fairly be likened to the essential work performed by the engineer when he handles the throttle, and turns on the steam. The actual power is lodged exclusively in the engine, but if the engine were left alone, it would never start of itself. Whether the engineer be named Jim, or Bob, or Tom, it is all one. His services are necessary, and he is entitled to such wage as he can get you to pay. Whether he be named Christian Scientist, or Mental Scientist, or Mind Curist, or Lourdes Miracle Worker, or King's Evil Expert, it is all one. He is merely the engineer. He simply turns on the same old steam, and the engine does the whole work. In the case of the cure engine, it is a distinct advantage to clothe the engineer in religious overalls, and give him a pious name. It greatly enlarges the business, and does no one any harm. The Christian scientist engineer drives exactly the same trade as the other engineers, yet he out-prospers the whole of them put together. Is it because he has captured the takingest name? I think that that is only a small part of it. I think that the secret of his high prosperity lies elsewhere. The Christian scientist has organized the business. Now, that was certainly a gigantic idea. There is more intellect in it than would be needed in the invention of a couple of millions of eddy science and health Bible annexes. Electricity, in limitless volume, has existed in the air and the rocks and the earth and everywhere since time began, and was going to waste all the while. In our time we have organized that scattered and wandering force and set it to work, and backed the business with capital, and concentrated in a few and competent hands, and the results are as we see. The Christian scientist has taken a force which has been lying idle in every member of the human race since time began, and has organized it, and backed the business with capital, and concentrated it at Boston headquarters in the hands of a small and very competent trust, and there are results. Therein lies the promise that this monopoly is going to extend its commerce wide in the earth. I think that if the business were conducted in the loose and disconnected fashion customary with such things, it would achieve but little more than the modest prosperity usually secured by unorganized great moral and commercial ventures. 
but I believe that so long as this one remains compactly organized and closely concentrated in a trust, the spread of its dominion will continue. Vienna, May 1, 1899. End of Part 9 of Christian Science and the Book of Mrs. Eddy and End of Section 12 of The Man That Corrupted Hadleyburg and Other Stories by Mark Twain